Hey guys, I'm Gabe Landeskog, and you're listening to Chasing Birdie. We are back here for another episode of Chasing Birdies. My man JP, what is up, buddy? Looking great right now, buddy. What's shaking, bacon? How are you, dude? It's it's just good to be back here having a little. Little another podcast. We had a great uh, episode a couple weeks ago, and here we are again, babe. It's uh, it's just yeah, that, was a, that was a good one. We got a lot of compliments on it, so that was good to good to hear. It sounds like we're doing something right. Mm, true. Um, but today's episode is mm. brought to you by Lynx Brewing. So go check them out at lynxbrewing.com. Um, again, the the blonde ale. Dude, it's so good. It is. It is good. I was at your house uh, chugging a few back the other day, so. Um, I guess I got to replenish that for you. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, but go to linksbrewing.com. Pick yourself up some Chase and Berry Blondale for your Christmas parties. We would greatly appreciate it. And so would the boys over at Links Brewing. Links. There you go. There you have it, guys. How you doing, bud? Um, buddy, I'm, I'm great, man. It's a good weekend. I, I, I smoked uh, some chicken thighs this weekend, and I smoked macaroni and cheese. I made the mac and cheese from scratch. It was incredible, wow. dude. I got the smoker out again. Shout out Willie Robertson for hooking that thing up, or at least influencing me, at least. Um, smoked the mac and cheese, smoked the chicken thighs, turned out great. Um, had a couple cold How was ones. the mac and cheese? You used a couple different cheeses, bud? I used a little Gouda, and I used a little cheddar, and I used a little cream cheese. Does that count as a cheese? Kind of. I can't, but um, this is like a heart attack. In a- I mean... Oh yeah, dude. It's I like mean, my one, cholesterol would be one servings like I don't know, six hundred calories or some bullshit. But sweet, uh, it was dynamite, dude. Good weekend, little win for the the Steelers, getting it done down there. Um, nice win for Victor Hovland over there in the Hero World Championship. Yeah, so um, yeah, so a ping, a ping boy, and you know who else is a ping boy? <laughs> you baby. T- tell me about this right now. I mean, I know you're in Scottsdale as we speak mm-hmm. and uh, you got a little mm-hmm. something lined up um well i'm actually going over there this morning to uh get fit for the 230s the i230s um well that's what i have in my head mm-hmm. uh they could say listen bud you, you might need these shovels over here and and i'll listen so um hope there could be potential i come home with graphite shafts and shovels and iron head covers on i feel my- like I feel like there was a time in the last three years where you had a new set of ping irons and they were like the, the butter knives. And I feel like the they got I-59s, shipped. That was actually, that was this year, bud. Um, they, uh, again, I didn't get fitted for them. I just used the same specs, but I'm not good enough to play the I-59s. That's basically what it came down to. Okay. So, and I'm fine saying that. How do you feel about your swing I want right to make now? the game get... of golf easier. Uh-huh. We well, haven't played in a while and you're getting fitted. Yeah. But same thing you did at Titleist a couple years ago, so that worked out. <laughs> hey, but uh, I'm I'll... looking forward to heading over to the boys at Ping, and 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 you know, again, so congrats to Victor Hovland, and um, I'm not comparing the game to him at all. But you know, we're both Ping guys, so dude, all this video circulating of Charlie Woods and all his little shots that he's hitting, and Tiger Woods in the background with his mouth drop. I mean, dude, this kid is just gonna be. I'm excited for him, man. A star. I am. But oh, let's let's love it. not put pressure on. I don't. Let's not put True. pressure on a thirteen, fourteen year old or whatever, however old he is. Let him enjoy the game of golf, and uh, and the results will come. So yeah, 
And I think Tiger's keeping that within reason. So Certainly. Before we introduce today's guest, uh, I, w- I just want to say for the West Virginia listeners out there, if you're involved in the WVGA at all, the WVGA is putting on a great event in February out in Scottsdale during the waste management. They got some golf going on, a couple rounds. So check them out, um, you know, at WVGA.com. If you want to head out there with them, the boys are looking for a couple people to go. It'd be a great getaway for you guys to knock the rust off. So And the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl. So good times. But, yeah, we don't have a Super Bowl champ on today, but we do have a Stanley Cup champion on today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, well, I guess we had Phil Bork on in the past, but Gabriel Landeskog, we call him Gabe. Uh, he corrected me on that very early in the interview. Captain of the Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champion last year. But what do you think about it, huh? Hey, we we do have to thank Jamie over at 44 Concierge for setting this one up because he did. He Big got shout out, Jamie. So thank you. Thank you for getting this done. Uh, and I think that we should roll it in and let people hear from old Landy, the Stanley yep. Cup champ. Let's do it. Unfortunately, when we peg it up, we won't always play our best. But with some good on-course apparel, we can look and feel our best no matter how our game's being played. That's why we've partnered with Holderness and Bourne. Their apparel makes it easy to look good if you're stuck on that bogey train to nowhere. Head on over to hbgolf.com to check out their latest pieces. Whether it's the Draper performance shirt or the Evans jacket, there's a tailored piece to fit your needs. And if you feel up to it, head on over to chasenbirdies.com for some custom Chase and Birdies gear by Holderness and Bourne. We promise you'll love the pieces. Again, that's Holderness and Bourne at hbgolf.com and Chase and Birdies at chasenbirdies.com. All right, y'all, we're back here on another episode of Chasing Birdies. And today's guest, the former winner of the 2022 Stanley Cup and the current captain of the Colorado Avalanche, Gabe Landeskog, joining us here on Chasing Birdie. My man was shaking. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. No, thank you, man. Thank you all the way out in Colorado. How's the weather? Pretty good. We got hit some snow here last week, but... uh sun's shining as it usually does here in colorado so um snow's almost gone and back wearing a t-shirt today that's right that's the biggest misconception about denver i will say you think it snows there all the time and it actually doesn't yeah and i had i mean i'm guilty of having absolutely no idea what colorado was like (laughs) when i got drafted here 12 years ago i was like it's gonna be cold get my winter coat on and me growing up growing up in sweden and previously played junior hockey in toronto i used to the cold but coming here i mean the sun we get over 300 days of sunshine every year which is i believe that's more than florida yeah. um so it's you know even though it, we get our you know we get our fair share of snow and, and whatnot it's easy to get up and get out and shovel when you know when sunshine yeah that, and that's the thing too man colorado is my favorite state period i, I go to Vail often every year i love colorado and the cold you can handle from time to time but up in the Northeast, it's just constantly gray in the winter months. So it becomes very de- depressing. Whereas when you're in Colorado, like you just said, man, you got over 300 days of sunshine a year. Who, who cares if it's fucking 50 degrees, 40 degrees? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love no, it. It's, we got plenty of days when driving to the rink in the morning and it, it might be snowing or it might be a little cold. And, and, uh, and then by the time you get out of practice early afternoon, snow's melted and sun's shining. So it's, 
it's a great place to live. Uh, honestly, it's uh, it, we get all four seasons. Sometimes the fall and, and spring are pretty short, but uh, but man, it's a good place to live and and raise a family. And to to a great place. Do you live there all year round, or do you go back home to Sweden for for a little bit of the summer? Yeah, so I, I, I married a Canadian girl. Uh, my wife's Canadian. She's from just outside of Toronto. So we, we spend quite a bit of time in the off-season in just outside of Toronto, a little bit north, and uh, go back to Sweden for a couple of weeks every summer, for sure. Yeah. Uh, used to be used to go back for longer, but now with two little babies, it's uh, it, keeping us busy. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Summers are, are short enough as they are, and especially this past summer. You know, we don't want to... For selfish reasons, we don't want to be bringing them there just to, so I can catch up with some of my buddies right. and, and family and whatnot. So uh, we stay in Toronto quite a bit uh, and in Denver, obviously. The summers for hockey players, I got some buddies in, in the NHL, and it's just like, dude, their summers are so packed. And it's like, dude, you want to go play golf? No, I got to go here for the weekend. I got to go there. It's just constant movement in the <laughs> off season for you guys. So when the season comes, yeah. you're probably like, thank God. Like there's some at least – a routine, a ske- yeah, schedule, a routine, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, and you you really hit it hit, hit it there because it's you know the summers do get crazy packed and, and especially the age. Now I'm I'm about to turn thirty here in a few days and you know but we're still in that age where a lot of our friends are getting married. So you know you got four or five six weddings every summer. So there goes four or five or six weekends and um, you know you want to try to make sure the off season is relaxing as well, but I think people have a bit of a misconception about what athletes off season can look like at times. You know, obviously you take a couple of weeks here and there and, you know, get some rest and might go on a trip or vacation, whatnot. But, you know, we're, or at least for me, you know, I'm in the gym or on the ice five days a week. And I think that's pretty standard across the yeah. board. Um, so and to try to keep your routine, like just like you guys are talking about, the routine is important for us. Um, it's not like I go out Monday and work out and then I go, you know, have a big event or, or go party Monday night. You know, you try to stay pretty dialed in Monday through Friday and then weekends, you know, they can get away from you pretty quick. So, <laughs> And you got two um, little kids, too, that you want to do things with. I mean, that life changes as well. It sure does. The priorities change and, you know, I'm not going to bend over backwards anymore to make sure I fit in, you know, all weekend trips and, and things that, you know, some of my buddies that don't have kids might want to do. So yeah. uh, priorities are a bit different, and I like it that way. It keeps me keeps me a little bit more chilled out and uh, at home a lot more. Yeah, and when you get to do stuff, you, then you actually enjoy it because then before it's just monotonous. You continuously, every weekend, go and have drinks, play golf. You know, it's just same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It's like Ryan's yep. life. Uh, well, not really, but kind of. <laughs> so you started – Obviously, hockey at a very young, young age in Sweden and um, grew up through the ranks. You came to, as you said, Toronto, played juniors. How did you get from from Sweden? Obviously, you were an elite player as a, as a kid, but is that something where you get told, hey, you're going to Toronto, or is that where you picked, or how did that all transpire? Yeah, it was kind of, you know, it, looking back at it, you know, that's a big decision for me, but at the time, so I was, I guess I, was, I, I guess I was good as a 14, 15 year old, but not like top, top of the line. 
uh, I was good enough to get called up and, and my game was well-rounded and I was strong enough to play with, with the older kids and juniors back home. And then, you know, one day I get the phone call from my head coach and he, in Sweden, that the system works a little bit different in Sweden, every, so the elite league there, the, the men's league, uh, they all have junior teams below them, but within the same organization. So I was playing for Jurgarden at the time, which is right in Stockholm, and playing for the junior team. So I got called up to play in the men's league, which at the age of 16 is pretty, you know, it happens, but it's it's early and you're young. Uh, and they offered me a contract in the spring of 2009. Uh, but I felt for my development, uh, I'm like, yeah, I can go up and play men's league. And yeah, that'd be cool. You you know, you make some money as a 16-year-old and but then I, I have to thank my dad and, and uh, my agent as well. They kind of pumped the brakes a little bit um, and just sort of, you know, introduced me to the thought of maybe going over to North America and playing junior hockey. And I once I went over and visited uh, Kitchener, the Kitchener Rangers playing in the OHL, but as well as the Mississauga St. Majors. Uh, they're in the OHL as well at the time. And I visited these two teams. I got to meet with the coaches, the GMs, the Got to see the rink, got to meet some billet families, which is when you play junior hockey in Canada, you move in with a family and they, you know, they house you and feed you and, and take care of you. So once I got to see that side of it, I'm like, man, this is, this is not only going to be good for my development. I think playing with kids my age, but you know, in a, in a North American environment and learn the game that it's played over here. Cause ultimately I wanted to play in the NHL, right. but also I saw it as a, as an amazing adventure and just an experience to move away at that age and to learn to live by myself or yeah. even though I'm with a family, you know, you get to you have to kind of mature a little bit faster than living, you know, with your parents. So um, that was very enticing to me. And, and uh, so I ended up moving over that fall, the following uh, fall in 2009 and played two years of junior hockey in Kitchener, made lifelong friends, uh, developed like a hockey player, uh, like I didn't, you know, at the time when I was in Sweden before I moved over to Canada, I was sort of this power forward, penalty killing guy, hardworking, kind of hit everything that moved, sort of limited skill because I played up. Uh, and when you play up, sometimes what can happen to players, you, you don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to, you know, take too many risks out there. And that was kind of my game. I, I just had sort of, dumbed it down to a level where I could survive and not make any mistakes, but I wanted to get better and I wanted to develop. And I got the chance to do that at Kitchener. And two years later, I got drafted to Colorado and been here ever since. Oh. So it's, it was a life-changing decision for me. And not only for the hockey aspect, but, you know, to learn to handle myself on my own in a foreign environment with people I didn't know, I think that was crucial. Now at your age in Sweden, for people who don't know, ice is bigger over there, correct? At your age too. Yep. yep. Yeah. So all the way. Whenever you come to North America, was that a huge transition for you, or did you kind of like a player of your caliber might like a little bit smaller ice because obviously you can maneuver a little bit more uh, than other people. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was definitely an adjustment, but I, I picked it up pretty quick in terms of, you know. As a for, I'm a forward, so as a forward, the defenseman's on you right away. You don't have that much time. Whereas over in Europe, you might, you know, you get the puck in the corner and you got to, you know, an extra half a second to, to get your head up and make a play. But 
Um, so it's, it, it's definitely tighter and more physical that way, which I liked. I've always liked the physical aspect of hockey. And, um, but I think the one thing that changes the most is probably the angles. And, you know, over there in Europe, if you're stepping off, off the half wall and you're, or you're attacking the net, you know, you're shooting from outside the dots. It's not particularly dangerous of a shot, but over here, you know, because it's tighter, the angles are a little bit different. Um, you create more scoring chances that way. And that's why I think I've been a big proponent of, you know, for the European ranks to change in smaller as well. It just becomes more exciting for the fans as well. Right. Right. And, so you get drafted second overall. Um, again, this is kind of one of those things that obviously you weren't disappointed your second NHL draft, but were you kind of like, were, were they slating you at number one or were you kind of slated at two and that's where you went? Um, it, it's funny, man. The, the NHL draft is just, I guess any draft, but from my experience, the NHL draft is sort of, you, you're in this, when you're in your draft, you're in this bubble and all the scouts are in the bubble with you and, the rankings come out and, you know, everybody's checking the rankings, whatnot during the season. And at one point, I think halfway mark, I was, I was number one, but in my head, I didn't see myself as a number one. I think, you, you know, you look at the number one picks, you know, they're highly, highly skilled. They put up over a hundred points every year in junior and they're just lighting it up. I was just sort of more a, I don't know what you'd call it, but a power forward that had a, you know, knack for scoring goals and, and, you know, I have the 200 foot player. Uh, and I think you look at the point totals in that draft year, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was drafted number one. He went to Edmonton. He had over a hundred points mm-hmm. in 60 some games. And then it was me sandwiched in between. So Nugent Hopkins and Jonathan Huberto, who plays for Calgary now. And both of those guys were over a hundred points. I was sitting there with 66 points in 50 some games, which is still yeah. not bad, but. But when you compare it to those guys, that's it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot. But I think that the reason why I was drafted was more than just sort of the offensive gift and the offensive skill. It was you know they talked about intangibles throughout my whole draft mm-hmm. and, and the combine and whatnot. And at the time, honestly, I wasn't too sure what intangibles meant. A uh, kid from Sweden, I'm like that's a big word. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> I know what that means, but <laughs> but nonetheless. I uh, got drafted to Colorado, which I had, you know, I had idolized a lot of, you know, Colorado teams growing up. Yeah. I had a big poster of Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, listening mm-hmm. to Stanley Cup in my room. So kind of surreal moment, but uh, made myself a home here. And this is where I love to be. And uh, I feel like this is, uh, this is basically the place. Yeah where I see myself for the rest of my career. Yeah, it's a great place to be. I mean, and again, now we'll move quickly through your NHL career because we want to talk about golf with you. And, um, you know, you've, you've had an incredible career so far in Colorado. You guys kind of had a team there, you know, I, what was it, three or four years ago that they were the ones to win the cup. And mm-hmm. um, some injuries, I believe, happened. And uh, finally, you get that Stanley Cup last year, which you guys were kind of, picked from the beginning to yeah. make it all. And that's a lot of pressure for people. I mean, people that I don't know, cause I'm not a professional athlete, but friends that I know, that's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, if you, if you have a bad week in NHL, you lose three games, four games in a row, the media is on your ass. Um, what was that whole thing? You know, you, was a letdown hap, have to happen first and then to get to that or what kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, funny you say that because it's at the time so when we're 
we started making the playoffs. We started making it in the second round. I think we lost in the second round three years in a row. But at the time, you're telling yourself and you're you're talking to the media and you're saying the same thing that, hey, listen, you don't need the heartbreak to win. You can just kind of cruise right through and teams have done it before. And uh, But now, having won it and having gone, gone through it, we were definitely not ready even two years ago, let alone three and four years ago when we kept losing in the second round. So um, I do think there's a reason why you see teams knocking on the door before they win, they win it all. Um, because you have to learn how small the margin for error is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how crucial every you know, momentum swings are. And every shift and momentum swings. We always talk about momentum, but it's it's true. And learning how to manage that within a team of 24, 25 individuals, you've got to have everybody on board. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it sucks at the time because even getting in the second round isn't easy. No. Uh, let alone get into the playoffs. There's a ton of good teams every year that miss the playoffs. and It's, it's not easy, but um, this past year, we just kind of felt like, you know, we had this just silent, just quiet confidence about our group that, you know, it wasn't about getting into the playoffs. It wasn't about getting the second or third or getting to the finals and getting that, gaining that experience. It was all the way from training camp. It was talked about winning. And just setting winning habits and just the championship mentality of, of just, you know, we'd rattle off five, six, seven, eight straight wins in the regular season. And it was just sort of, all right, you'll leave the locker room at night and you just forget about it, move on. Like, what's the next thing? We just kept moving it forward. Same thing in the playoffs. We, we were playing well and, you know, a couple of sweeps in the, in, in the first three rounds and we roll into the finals against Tampa Bay, who'd won, you know, two straight years and, and all of a sudden like we just kept moving our goalposts. We just kept yep. saying, okay, what's next? What's next? And that uh, ultimately propelled us to winning. It was, yeah, it was a fun summer. That That's the, that's the thing that's so crazy. It's every shift matters in the, in the playoffs. I mean, it is, it is crazy. And the crazy thing is that the goaltender has, you have to have a great goaltender. You have to have a great defense forward. You've got to be scoring goals to, I mean, there's so much that has to go right to win a Stanley Cup. It's like a golfer in a major championship, right? That, yeah. You said something mm-hmm. there that's true in golf, too. You might not be ready to win yet. You know, you look at somebody like Sergio Garcia, who's only won one major, and he's had all the, like you said, the intangibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he only he's won one because he might not have been ready at that point in his career or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so you well, win the Stanley Cup. No, I was just going to say, I think there's a maturity level there within the team, within the organization to continue that mindset, like you said, of moving that goalpost, taking one step at a time in a concerted effort. And, you know, I think at that point, that's when success is earned. Is It's not yeah. given, it's earned. Right. And and that's exactly what happened with you guys. I mean, you did it. You, you, you guys probably kept quiet, like you said, forgot about the game that you just swept or the series you swept. Next thing you know, you're you're standing against against Goliath a little bit in terms of Tampa Bay Lightning, and and you take them down. So you know, hats off to you. It's a, it, I think it's a maturity thing within the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I appreciate it, guys. I, I would imagine that you know it is similar for golfers. The one thing about golf and the reason the reason why it's so damn hard is because it's all you. You know, there's no like if I have a if I'm having a tough night on the ice or you know, whatever, I'll, you know, I got two line mates that help yep. me out every shift and they can pick me up and make me look better than, 
you know, than I deserve. And, and if they're having an off night, then, you know, I step my game up in golf. There's no, there's nobody coming out to save you there. Right. Yeah. And so you hit triple zeros on, on the uh, scoreboard. You're a Stanley cup champion. What are you, what the hell are you thinking? Like, oh, man. like, I mean, it's, it's just, you, you really cannot describe the feeling that kind of rushes through your head and your body at the time, because it's like, I, I watched the video back and I launched when that buzzer goes, I launched my stick so high up in the air. I don't even know where it lands. I had no worries about where this thing was landing. <laughs> and then you just kind of, it's just mayhem. You just go into celebrating. You've been in the playoff bubble, let alone the entire regular season, but the playoff is so intense and you have this mental warfare with yourself the entire time. As you move closer to the Stanley cup and your end goal, you know, you're putting your head on your pillow every night thinking, is this really going to happen tomorrow? Is this really going to happen? You know, are we going to get one game closer to Stanley Cup? Are we going to have a chance to win it tomorrow? And then when that buzzer went, it just, everything is off. And uh, you just, you know, you're in shock. You're screaming. You don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And then I remember shaking hands with the Tampa Bay Lightning and, you know, seeing their faces, and obviously they, they've done an amazing job last three, reaching the final three years in a row, winning two out of them. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. But I remember after that, as we're kind of standing on our blue line, waiting for them to hand out the MVP and then eventually the Stanley Cup trophy, Stanley Cup. Um, I find my dad and my sister in the stands. You know, I saw them and I and I – just trying to get their attention. I'm waving at them. And finally we make eye contact. And as I make eye contact with my old man, I just, you know, start everything yeah, just undone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you just lose it. And I'm just crying. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of when it hit you and I couldn't hold the tears back. And it just, you know, for everything that, you know, my dad has done for me, but also, you know, the ups and the downs. And he's sort of been that steady rock throughout all of it all the tough seasons, tough games, tough, you know, playoff exits, whatever. Uh, it's just so much build up to that moment and, and such an amazing relief when it happens. And, um, you know, and then you go on and you go from that bubble where you just zoned in for two months, you know, barely having a glass of wine to, you know, going in the locker room it's and, for breakfast. And, and beer. And it's yeah, exactly. So you, you average probably three hours of sleep for, for a week, 10 days, but it's, man, it was so much fun celebrating and love to go back and do it again. So again, I mean, that, that's that trophy, the Stanley cup is the most recognizable trophy. If you're not a hockey fan, you know what it is. Oh yeah. And in Pittsburgh, yeah. when they would take it around, man, they would come in the you know, bars and just hoist it up. I mean, Phil Bork talks all the time. He, a buddy of ours, Phil Bork play by play for the penguins. Now he said he took his, the Stanley Cup down to the Ocean City, Maryland. He said, I just walked in a random bar. I knew nobody there, and I just hoisted it. And I partied with a bunch of random individuals. And it was the best thing ever. And so for you, what was your day with the Cup like? Did you go back to Sweden? Did you go to Toronto, Your wife's where your wife's from? What was that like? Yeah, yeah. I was fortunate enough as a captain. It's sort of a tradition that the captain gets you know, two days with it uh, if he chooses. And for me... Um, you know, I've spent, I've been with my wife for over 10 years and we made a life in Toronto and, and, uh, so we were lucky enough to get one day in Sweden and one day in, in Toronto. So my day in Sweden was, you know, with me growing up there, I wanted to make sure I shared it with the community and, 
took it to my old my old school, walked it around there, kind of on the uh, on the schoolyard where I played a lot of a lot of street hockey and a lot of soccer, and just sort of with my athletic ability kind of started, I think, and and then I took it to my my hockey rink where I grew up playing and uh, took pictures there for two hours with with kids and and just fans in general, and then. Uh, and then I took it to hospice uh, in local Stockholm where I wanted to make sure, um, you know, families and staff and, and kids and uh, that were going through a tough time, um, that they got a chance to see it and, and take pictures with it. And um, and then at night, I just kind of threw a, a party there um, at a local restaurant. We had a great time. But let me tell you, though, you know, as your day with the cup is happening, you just you, you know, you're, you have a sm- smile on the entire day mm-hmm. and you're holding yeah. it, you're, you're holding a pretty heavy trophy, uh, the entire time, uh, you get tired and you're sort of exhausted. So when they take the cup at midnight, I was just, I hopped in an Uber <laughs> with my wife and I said, you know, well, we're going home. This is enough. Uh, it's just sort of exhausting. And it's, I think it's, it, it's fun and I'd love to do it again, but, uh, it gets a little overwhelming almost yeah. Uh, because you want to make sure you share it with everybody. You want to make sure you take a picture with everybody, get everybody taken care of. So then when we did it in Toronto a month later, we just kind of had a backyard party and there let people come over if they wanted to. And, and it was just sort of more chill that way. Um, and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. How, um, how many beers fit? A, how many beers fit in it? Uh, <laughs> I think at one point when we, party of the week in denver uh after we we won it you know we had i don't know if we had like 15 beers in at one point and oh, then yeah. you just uh, but you don't realize how heavy it is you fill it up you, you know it gets it gets heavy as yeah you, and the rule is any you know if you want to pour it into somebody's mouth somebody that has won it has to be responsible for pouring it so there's two guys that at, at all times just kind of pour them but you got to switch out because it gets so heavy but man, it was, we had a blast and we had sangrias and that thing. We had margaritas. We had, we were doing shots, we were doing whiskey. It, it, a lot of different booze went through it. That's, um, that's and I think, awesome. I don't think we're the first or the last no. team to do that either. No, he ain't going to be <laughs> the So I, I do have a funny uh, cup story for you. Phil Bork, who I just mentioned, was telling us a story. You know, he took it down to Ocean City, Maryland and he got home. This is back in 91, 92 when he played for the Penguins. Gets home, feels a little rattle around, so he sees that there's a screw loose. He takes a pencil light, goes in, he's tightening the screw. There's two names carved into the cup. Uh, so he a light bulb goes off. He takes a screwdriver and a hammer, and he carves his name, Phil Bork, back-to-back champs, on the inside of the cup. No. He, he said I'm the no f- way. Yeah, he said I'm the only guy to have it on the outside and the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just starts dismantling. Yeah. Some, yeah. Doing some... Some handyman work yeah. by himself. He said he sat there That's for like amazing. six hours, just pounding away. Well, for you though, Gabe, I mean, I got to be honest. The Avalanche in Denver right now is probably, are probably, arguably the best sports team going right now. I mean, you know, you 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 had the time of the Broncos being the powerhouse they were, especially when Peyton Manning, and obviously the Nuggets and. The Rockies, yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much about that. But obviously, you know, you guys have kind of rejuvenated, resparked, if that's a word, the whole Denver area with respect to hockey and sports. And so it's kind of cool to, I, I guess, win the cup, be the captain of the team. And it's 
arguably the best sports team that Denver has right now. Would that be true? I, I think so. I think that's yeah. a fair assessment. I think it's it, it, what people don't realize that Denver's and Colorado as a state is, is such an amazing sports place. And, and people really, as a sports town, they support, you know, whether it's us, the Nuggets, Broncos, Rockies, like you mentioned, or the Rapids, our, our soccer team, or even the Mammoth, our lacrosse team. It's, we got all of it. And people are so happy to say hi to their sports uh, you know, they're athletes and, and, and they're super respectful. I think that's the one thing that that's been the best. And, and people are super excited about us right now. And, and obviously we brought the, the abs back to where they belong. You know, they, when the abs first came here, uh, winning the Stanley cup in, in 96, the inaugural year coming back here to Colorado and then winning again a few years later in 01. I mean, they, they sort of got spoiled the first few years as, as abs fans here. And then mm-hmm. it was a, a you know, a, 21 years of of nothing and uh, so I, I think a lot of Avs fans are kind of waiting for this and, and now that the core of the team has been around for a while so it it feels good to to bring it back to where it belongs and and Avs fans you, you know you meet them all over the place and and um, they're just super happy to to support us and and uh, to be a part of it a championship run and, and to see that banner go up op- opening night was, was pretty special and, and fans deserve it. Um, yep. But like I said, I, I, I was here when the Broncos, you know, when Peyton was here and, and I, I watched the parade uh, when they won. Was it 20? 2015? Maybe 2015. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I might be off my years, but, you know, and, and I remember thinking, man, the Broncos are the hot ticket in town right now. I wish we'd be that, but, you know, and you go through cycles. Team go, teams go through cycles, and, and sometimes you good years, and sometimes you have bad years. But I think knowing what it felt like when we weren't as relevant um, and we weren't the hot ticket in town, you know, it makes you appreciate the yep. good times right now. Yep, and I think that's exactly what I was trying to say now. You know, and it might not have anything or it might have something to do with the fact that Colorado uh, recently legalized magic mushrooms. So maybe everyone's just extra happy <laughs> right now. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Bronco Nation, let's be. ride. Here we go. All right, so golf. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about golf, Gabe, because oh, I, I have what, to say, what? yeah, we're, we're transitioning yeah. into golf right now. I have to say the, the only reason I knew about Sweden previously was because of Jay Lindenberg. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, and, and I thought I was Solid dressing like I, I thought I was dressing like Amelia Vajegas back in the day with the sweatbands on my wrist and everything. So, <laughs> where did your where did your passion for golf come from? Was it in, in Sweden or whenever you kind of got to the states and, and started uh, having a little more off time during the days? Yeah, sort of two, two part answer. I think it, it started when I was younger. You know, ten, eleven, twelve. My my dad would take me out. My mom played at the time as well, so they. They would take me and my brother and my sister out to the driving range. We'd go hit some balls and we'd go, we'd go play. So that's kind of where you learn, where I learned the foundation of the golf swing and, and the game. My dad would take me and my brother out, play nine holes here and there. And, and eventually I just sort of take the, I take buses and trains to, to the golf course where we were, where we'd play at, uh, like half, take me half an hour, 45 minutes by public transit. So public transit is pretty big back home. So. It wasn't a big deal, but lugging that golf, the golf bag around, and I'd go play with nine nine holes or eighteen holes of strangers, and just sort of fell in love with the game. And then, and then as I, you know, came up my my teenage years, 
um, you know, a lot of focus went into training in the, in the off season and, and, uh, just got a lot more busy with that and didn't, didn't have as much time for golf. And then when I came over here and started, you know, got drafted to Colorado and, and realized how great of a climate this is and, and how everybody on the team play golf, I, I sort of picked it back up and started getting serious with it again. And, um, you know, struggled a little bit, uh, on and off. I, I, uh, sort of this mediocre mid eighties golfer, uh, trying to get better, but not willing to put enough work in on the driving range, right. you know, chipping and putting that you just think that, Oh, today's a new day. I'm going to go out and shoot sub 80 today. Uh, it just doesn't work quite that way, that way. And now lately I've been starting to put some more work in again and, and, you know, trying to, trying to dial in the swing, trying to fix up my, my face angle, my launch angle, my, my inside out, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to do all of it, but sometimes it's a little too much. So this summer wasn't great for me. I don't think I broke 80 once, but get back there. Well, that's, that's, that's it. That's the problem. I mean, with all of us amateur golfers, we, we start trying to do things. We shouldn't be doing. Well, we no, but right. it's fine to do them, do them and work on them off the course. When you get on the course, you got to play, you got to play the game. So you Correct. start tinkering with stuff. And next thing you know, you're, you're blading chip shots from the front of the green, like my boy JP here. I mean, it's like, but what the fuck was that? What are you doing? You know, it, I just, you, that's exactly it. <laughs> all of a sudden my, I worked on something on, you know, on the uh, simulator with one of my friends who's, who's uh, used to play on the Canadian tour and, and now he, he's, uh, he, he's a member of my golf course here. Anyways, uh, he, uh, we start working on things and then I get out on the course and he's always like, just play, just play. And I'm all of a sudden I got 14 different swing thoughts and yep. trying to tinker with something mid swing and, mm-hmm. and it just never works that way. Um, got to ha- let it happen and put it up, put in enough time where it becomes sort of natural, I think. Yeah. But that's the thing you, you you're like me. I don't want to practice. I just want to go play golf. No. If I have the time to go play or to go golf, I'm going to go golf on the golf course. Grab yeah, a few beers, it. light a couple cigars, and enjoy yeah. myself. But it's also probably not conducive to you trying to putt from 100 yards. Well, that too. Because you need to practice that a little bit. Um, <laughs> so where, where are you at? Are you at uh, where, where are you, I should say? Never end a sentence in a preposition. Are you at Cherry Hills, Denver Country Club? Where are you playing out there, Gabe? No, I'm at... I'm at- Kind of, it's uh, Cherry Creek Country Club. It's it's a little bit out east from from Cherry Hills. Okay. Uh, my wife and I bought a lot, uh, fairly close to Cherry Hills Country Club. So in a couple of years, I think I'll I'll Thank join you. out there. But right now, I'm just kind of schmoozing off the of Nate McKinnon's and Eric Johnson's membership. There so there you go. Yeah, that works. I just yeah, we just play uh, play out there quite a bit. Um, but kind of bounce around a little bit all over. Um, you know, there's a lot of great golf courses around here, and especially if you go over to the, you know, the foothills, it's it's a lot of fun golf and a lot of different, a lot of different golf. Um, uh, we, I know the Linegers pretty well. At Sanctuary Sanctuary Golf Course, mm-hmm. a little bit south, pretty pretty unique golf course and a lot of fun. Um, so we have the the pleasure of going out there quite a bit, and it's just the views there you can't beat it. Um, some of these 200 foot drop off from T to fairway, right. <laughs> it, it kind of hurts my eyes yeah. as I'm standing up there as, you know, trying to hit a, trying to hit a perfectly straight drive isn't always the, uh, the case, but, um, nonetheless, uh, a lot of good golf courses around here. You guys got a lot of guys on the team that, that do play golf. 
Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, quite a bit. There's always, you know, that's the funny thing about hockey. And I think that's what my dad used to play hockey growing up. And I think that's why he started um, is because the seasons just align perfectly. Right. You know, normally by the time the hockey season's over, then sunshine and 70, 70 degrees outside and you go out and play. So uh, we got quite a bit of guys playing on our team and uh, try to get out as much as we can. Normally training camp is, is pretty busy golf wise and, and sort of, end of the regular season, into the playoffs. Uh, you know, sometimes you can get a couple of days in between rounds um, in the playoffs to go out at least play a little bit. You don't really expect to play well then. You just want to get your uh, mind off hockey for uh, for a couple hours. Exactly, exactly. But then I, I come back more pissed off than I left. So right. that's, that cancel each other out there. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's nothing better than going with eight guys to – a golf trip and yeah. you know we do that often every i feel like every other month maybe not that often <laughs> but um but you know it's funny I, and i said this before on the podcast and i'll say it again every time i play with someone that plays professional hockey they innately have a good swing there's that crossover in the motion of the turn and the rotation of the hips so it's it's and by the way they pound the ball you guys pound the ball I mean, I'm, I haven't seen you hit the ball, but I'm just assuming it's 6'1", 215, pure muscle. You probably fucking smoke it when you, when you square it up. Um, but yeah, it exactly, when I square it up. <laughs> but it is. It's it's that crossover, and I'm seeing more guys now, especially some of, some of the younger hockey players that are playing juniors and whatnot. I mean, they're all into golf, and I don't know if it's because golf is taken off, especially since COVID, or um, – or if it's because now more hockey players are transitioning to playing golf as a as a pastime, I don't know what it is. I think I think also it allows because hockey is such a fast paced sport, right? And and things are always moving, and it's not like football where you know. Well, I guess the one time would be off a of face off. You can have a set play drawn up, but there's still so many variables of. Uh, you know, the puck bounces over the D-man stick and, and all of a sudden the puck's out of the zone and then you just sort of have to go back to basics and make reads after that. In golf, you're out there, the ball, you, you can see it sitting there, you know, or it's laying in the fairway or sitting on the green and it's all about your preparation and your mindset and it just sort of slows things down for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of hockey players like it as well because it's, it is slower as a sport, but the mental grind and, you know, the mental side of things is something that is so important and no matter what you do in life. But, uh, I think it's important to have control over your thoughts and, and not get too emotional. And, and that's a lot easier said than done when you, when you miss the green from a hundred yards out and you decide to snap your club over your knee. But <laughs> it's an, essentially that's, that's where you want to get to Sounds like control it's your emotions. It has happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has happened. Uh, I, I'd like to think I'm not that emotional on the golf course. I try to, you know, I, I have some pretty, I can rip myself a new asshole on the golf course, no problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. But sort of once I, once I get my swear words out and, and, and get that out, I sort of move on and, and I like to have a good time. I don't like to, you know, mope around the golf course, but the one time, Cheer Creek Country Club, Club I was having a, match of my home course with a buddy from Sweden that was over here visiting came down to 18 he'd put it on the green already I'm like 160 out um, 
a little bit windy that day, and there's water in front of the 18th green. I hit it pretty fat. I still thought I had a chance to get up there, you know, drop it in the water. The match is over. And it's on 18th on my course. It's uh. car pass only. So I brought like three different clubs out there and I decided to snap one that felt so good over my <laughs> knee. Never snapped the club before. I snapped another one. I snapped the third one. All of a sudden I'm, I'm walking back to the car. Nothing. Pretty rattled. Yeah. I've got nothing in my hands other than, you know, six pieces of golf, golf clubs and, and my buddy's just giggling in the cart and the match was over. So, um, it is the yeah, best feeling in the cool. world though. Are there, it is. The, a club throw snapping of, over your knee. It is the best feeling in the world, but then you feel like a bag of shit whenever you do it. Yeah. And then you look up and you see the patios full of people sitting there and, and you know, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of feel like yeah. an asshole, but, um, well, I was doing for new clubs anyway, so those are those are old Nikes that don't even, they don't even make anymore, so I was doing. Uh, that's great. Um, Pradera, I, have you ever played over at Pradera? I have played Pradera. Yeah. Great, great track. Great track. Yeah, phenomenal views, I feel. Um, yeah, and that's the greatest thing about it for me whenever I'm over in Colorado playing golf, dude. The ball flies. Is that where uh, Michael Lyles had a hole in one with you? No, that was in Vail. I think he played. Did you play with John Michael Lyles? I have played with him, yeah. But wasn't golfer. he on your team, though? Did you play for the Colorado Village? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he, he, did. He, was, uh, he was playing for Boston and Carolina when I came oh. in the league. He, he had already got traded from, from well, that. Long story short, Bash had a, uh, he had a hole-in-one with Bash. Yeah, I was playing with him this summer. Um, we were at Cord- Cordillera over outside of Vail. So it's me, him, yep. and Neil Walker. Um, buddy from Pittsburgh here, and so the three of us are playing, and it's like a 240 yard downhill par three up there on the summit course, and he hit seven wood, I believe, and it was just all over the fucking stick. I mean, you you didn't know if it was going to be short, long, or in the hole, but you just knew it was at the stick, and this thing just dropped in, hit a little hit a little right, released, and rolled right in. And we, the three of us there, we're jumping up in the air, right? Like we're like high fiving each other. Um, but no, it's cool whenever you see that happen. I've only had two. Um, Peps had three. only had two. You're talking to somebody with a big fat goose egg. So there you careful what you what you wish for. I'm just I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking for one. I no, nah, just you got your Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, what the hell else? You, <laughs> you got your Stanley Cup. The least you can do is have a home one. Yeah. Jesus. So when you and the boys are playing, the drinks are flowing. Uh, depending on the day, obviously, if you don't have a game the next or practice the next day not playing before games, but what, what's the choice of drink on the course? Oh man. I mean, I like, honestly, I'm a pretty classic beer guy. Uh, the Bud Light or Coors Light, but also a uh, big fan of just like, I think a lot of golfers, big fan of the, uh, the seltzers that have come out high mm-hmm. noon, personal favorite. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that's, it's just sort of nice to start out with a couple of beers and then, uh, and then you transition into seltzers. I think that's a, that's a great, uh, way of going about it. Good John Daly's good. Um, birdie juice, find some sort of birdie juice, and then uh, and then you're good. We had a guy on that was telling us transfusions. He was playing at Augusta National, and he asked the bartender for a transfusion. The bartender said, no, that's actually non-alcoholic. I guess the real transfusion is called a confusion. And really? That, yeah, and it originated at Augusta. So... So you're saying that a com- confusion the one with alcohol is a confusion? Yes, and a transfusion is non-alcoholic. 
That's wild. Wow. That's, Just I didn't know that. Learned, if, I had no freaking clue, and I love the things. Delicious. I was introduced to them this summer. I didn't know what it was before that, but I drank a delicious. million of them. See, yeah. but I'm like you, though, Gabe. Like the, the high noon, I'm a beer guy. I like to drink beer a little bit. Well, I don't we're drink not talking much. about high noon, like, but no. high. Well, that's a good thing, too. But high noons, they do not leave you bloated. There's no sugar, 100 calories. Like, you can drink those on a nice, warm summer day and not feel weird. Uh, well, you get yep. to feel weird, but anyways. I hear you. <laughs> well, listen, man, it's been awesome having this little banner going with you here. And, um, again, congrats on the cup win. And we're, we're going to transition this over to the last segment of the show called the tap-in segment presented by Bettinardi Golf. Jonathan's going to ask you some questions that demand your quick-witted response. So I'm going to let him take it away. All right. Lowest round and where? 77 at a just a public course here in Colorado. Hey, 77 is good, boys. Yeah. Uh, drink of choice out of the Stanley Cup. Oh, man, that first sip of champagne. Boom. Can't beat it. Love it. All right, your favorite fight of your NHL career. And I know that's the thing. I know a lot of you guys don't like doing that, but we'll go with your favorites. Favorite fight? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say a fight that I probably lost was against Shea Weber uh, Nashville. Oh and any of, yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. And, you know, just a man, just the man strength. And uh, I ran over Roman Yossi. I kind of came down the wall and he had his head down and, and, uh, I ran him over, didn't think much of it, didn't realize that Shea Weber was his D partner at the time. And, and before I knew it, I stood up and had, had Shea Weber all over me, and it felt like I had bricks hitting the side of my helmet. But I, I, I kind of held my own and started chucking him back. And Yeah, that, that was a pretty good fight. That's one That'd of those ones one. where you drop some and you're like, oh, fuck. Yep, you don't have much of a choice. <laughs> all right, last question. What are you chasing? Birdie. Oh, it man. Is. That's so fitting. I love it. I thought another Stanley Cup or a hole in one, but we'll go with birdies. Yeah, I was I wasn't sure what um, what to go with, but another Stanley Cup is absolutely on the radar. But more birdies on the golf course, another Stanley Cup on the ice. I think that's uh, that sums it up. Well, you guys are sitting pretty right now, just uh, a couple points back behind Dallas, and I know you're kind of on the mend, so you know continue with that. But hey, you're right where you want to be at this point. I know it's early. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I'd love to get together on the golf course at some point with you guys. Yeah, let's do that. Man, oh, man. What would you yeah. drink out of the Stanley Cup, bud? Milk? Yeah? Pro- actually, you know what? A little protein shake would be great. Some some squash with berries. straw? Some squash. Some smashed berries in there. A little straw action. Could you imagine that? Just sipping a straw out of the cup. You know what I'm putting in there? You're putting Chasing Birdie's Blondale. Tequila. Yeah, that. I'm a big there tequila guy now, huh? Casamigos in there. <laughs> big but tequila you, guy now. You know, that's funny. We Last week, uh, <laughs> we went to dinner with Junior and Tango and Bimmer and Matt's tail. And, you know, it's like Pep. Pep is now the tequila guy. My man doesn't know which one he's ordering. He's like, is this the white one or the dark one? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I I agree though. I think no, it's, it's uh, true though. It's you know, true though. So, is, but, but man, what a player uh, Lannis Gog has has been for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you look at his stats since he's been drafted. I mean, second overall, 
Uh, the guy's been a dynamite part of part of the team, and and it's good to see the guy hoist the Stanley Cup uh, sure this is. past season. So they, they've been uh, loaded with talent in Colorado, and but how about them? You know, snapping some club. There's a good. There's something just about snapping a golf club every year. Well, and and the cool thing is, like I said, there's such that crossover between these guys in golf, and and we're all golf nuts, but. Um, you know, we're going to have the ability to bring Landeskog up to Nemecolon, uh, which obviously yes. is five-star all around. Get him playing some golf up there. Enjoy the resort a little bit. And, uh, you know, I look forward to that, man. I, uh, you know, yeah. that's part of the fun thing about chasing birdies. Yeah, and thank you again to Nemecolon for uh, helping the show out. We appreciate you all. Go to Nemecolon.com. I know he is stoked to come there. Uh, in 2023 so um again guys thank you for being a partner to the show um but we got some cool stuff happening that's actually coming out tomorrow december 9th why don't you tell everybody yeah. about it Annou- announcements hard yeah well jonathan's been working really hard i just told him honestly i said i don't know what the hell's going on right now but anyways we got 12 days of christmas coming up here people starting tomorrow december the 9th Basically, we're doing some good giveaways for 12 days. you got to follow along on the social media, chasing underscore birdies on Instagram, and just participate. we got some really couple holderness pieces, a dozen of golf balls. we got some hats. Hats. Um, Betnardi is throwing some swag in there for us uh, to, to help us out. So, again, thank you to Betnardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been wonderful. Uh, but who knows? We might even box you up and ship you to somebody's front door. huh? Like ship stick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you got to open me up, unwrap me, and and then you get a whole day with me. And I will talk. I will. I am not afraid to talk. I will. Bash talk, will be so. your little elf on the shelf for the day, bud. Yeah, put a little little cap on me, a little onesie, and just tell me where you want me to go, boys. I'm in. I'm in. Um, but it's gonna be good. It's it's the season here, people. It's Christmas, and you know we're stoked about it doing this little giveaway thing. But and thanks to all the girls for helping out with this as well, man. I mean. Oh my God. Jacqueline and, and Rachel, they've done all this. So thank you, ladies. Uh, we appreciate you yeah, uh, really. so much for putting these photos together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited, dude, because it lines up perfectly. I know, I know today is the 8th, but the next drop is on the 22nd. And we are ending the year, people, with a banner sesh. Me and Pep going at it. Yucking it up. We may, who, who knows? We may even call someone in randomly just to throw some excitement out there. Who knows who it'll be? Yeah. Um, but that's how we're wrapping up the year, people. And we got a full slate of events in 2023. A couple good golf events. Nemecolon, Writer's Circle, Writer's Retreat, whatever. Calcutta going on. And Pep's already planning for 24. So here we go. But Here we go, boys. The golf trips are on the books. Yeah, bud. So, anyways, man. Well, look, dude. Why don't you get back to your little uh, shindig you're doing here with these pings? Um, what else you want to say, man? Uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, thank you to Gabe Landeskog for for getting on with us, yo-yos, and and of course, again, Jamie from Forty Four Concierge. Thank you for getting mm-hmm. us hooked up. Uh, make sure you go to chasingbirdies.com. Check it all out. Chasing underscore birdies on Instagram for the 12 days of Christmas because there is some cool stuff that you can use and like I said who knows Bash might even be part of that so maybe maybe but no guys thank you y'all enjoy your weekend 
And thank you to Evo and his team over at Simpler Media for putting this thing together. Rachel London, Jacqueline DiPaterio, as we already thanked you. Thank you again. Thanks to Jamie over at 44 for putting this thing together with Gabe. And we'll catch you all on the flip side.